Welcome to Food and Loathing, where we eat everything so you only have to eat the good things. I'm your host, Al Mancini, coming to you this episode from downtown, downtown, I can't even talk today, downtown Las <laughs> Vegas' hippest bookstore, The Writer's Block. And if you're too young to remember what a bookstore is, or what a book is, because <laughs> yeah. you do all your reading on that rectangle in your pocket that is technically a phone, but you don't talk on it. Ah, I'm going off. <laughs> anyway, if you don't know what a bookstore is, that's where we are today. And this one is cool. And my friends can maybe help me out on this one because I've gone off the reservation already. Time for my intros. I'm Al Mancini. My co-host for today's episode is the woman who beat all of the local food writers to the punch on a chef scoop this week, offthestrip.com writer, Samantha Gemini Stevens. Hey there. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you? Oh, you we should, should we just call you Scoop Stevens yeah. this week, man? It has to get a whole, whole other bracelet that says Scoop, and it just gets so confusing. We are going to get to why she is Scoop in a moment, but first, you hear him. And now let's let you know who you're hearing. Mm. Returning to his proper seat in front of the mixing board, the man who puts the so in sound guy and the gin in engineer, the one and only Rich Johnson. As as a news junkie who's been carrying around these iPhones, I like to think of it as a wire service in my pants. There you go. Is that a wire service? Say that to all the girls. (laughs) Yeah. Is that a wire service in your pants? Are you just happy to see it? Done so well for me. Uh, Is that your is that your go to line, man? Does that work? Well, old men pickup lines. We're gonna have to do a. Entire it's a new segment. Oh yeah, new yeah. segment. Oh, I've got several, and they they work so well. <laughs> How's everybody doing this fine morning? Good, good. Yes, hot, hot. It is but hot it outside. makes up for it by being hot. Yeah, but it's a dry heat, like a pizza oven. Oh god, exactly. <laughs> like living in a pizza oven. Uh, well, you know, we usually start this show by talking about everything we've eaten over the past week. I got to be honest with you. I do not have a lot to talk about as I stayed in through the holiday weekend, tried to finish my work on a book that was already past deadline. Um, I know one of today's guests will be able to relate to that. (laughs) Maybe she's probably more on top of it than I am. Anyway, more on that in a second. Maybe, maybe there's not that much to say, but I'm hoping you two have some meals that you can tell us about. Yeah, I actually have a lot to share. So I will try and go quickly, but clearly through it all. Um, As you mentioned, uh, we talked about a story earlier this week. Justin Kingsley Hall has stepped away from Main Street Provisions. Uh, Sunday was his last night, so within the past week I went twice. Um, There's stuff that Justin just does that's really amazing and really Justin, and then there's also because the new menu is coming out and I wanted to eat everything. So of course I had the rabbit boudin sausage dish. Mm-hmm. Every season, something different. Really tasty, really delicious. Um, this had charred Mexican onions and a pea butter sauce. Uh, we fell in love with the sea bass last week. Um, and my favorite thing, I think, was the juiciest, tenderest chicken I've ever ordered in a restaurant. Really? Um, yeah, I think I heard somebody say something about sous vide and then braising or roasting, wrapped in this big leaf. I don't remember what it was. I didn't ask. Um, <laughs> and just fall off the bone. I it, Yeah, I can't even... Uh, go over it. too much of it in my head. I'm tri- tripping over myself. Great. Good Sounds morning. good. <laughs> I think I need more coffee, or maybe I've had too much. Have, have some um, more coffee. Have some more coffee. 
Gosh. Okay. Uh, Coming in, of course, is Chef Patrick Munster um, from One Steakhouse at the Virgin Hotel. So I'm excited to see what he brings. Uh, He and owner Kim Owens have a really long history of steakhouse stuff on both of their resumes. So it should be an interesting combination. So, you know, I like to use this to kind of give people a a peek behind the curtain of what I call the Vegas foodie mafia. Those Mm -hmm. of us who, you know, are like (laughs) the the small group that cover everything and we're always there. Um, But I I don't, I haven't told you this story yet. I was at the Voltaggio Brothers pop-up and everybody starts asking, so do you know who's replacing Justin Kingsley Hall? Do you know who's replacing Justin Kingsley Hall? And I had seen Kim the night prior or night or two prior and she had told me but she had sworn me to secrecy mm-hmm. um, and I take confidentiality very seriously Absolutely. I used to be an attorney I'm a working journalist I don't even tell my wife things when they're told <laughs> to me in confidence so I'm sitting there nodding and nodding and you know like and then everybody starts dropping Patrick's name right yeah. so everybody knew it but nobody had it confirmed and nobody was going to write it. And I could see, I could see writers from other publications. Like, <laughs> how am I going to get this story first? Uh, who's right. going to get it first, right? And I'm like, I don't give a fuck anymore. I don't have a boss now. I'm not about <laughs> scooping anybody. I'm like, you listen to my podcast if you want to hear it. You get it once a week. You don't need me to get the timestamp five minutes, right. five seconds earlier. So I just sort of sat back and I was like, okay, which of these guys is going to get the story? Yeah. And then lo and behold, <laughs> Samantha Gemini Stevens at offthestrip.com. And you had a pair of excellent stories. You had a Story with Justin Kingsley Hall. Yep. And I loved that. It was excellent. More on what he spoke to us about last week yeah. here on the podcast, yep. just his reasons for going out. And then you had also a story with Patrick Munster. Um, and I am hoping that maybe next for next week's podcast, you can go I, and follow up I with him. I can tell you that I'm at least working on it. He okay. and I have been chatting. We're just trying to figure out the best day to sit down with him. So, yeah, but it was really, really good. to. We had a phone interview for the article and uh, it was really nice talking to him. He's super excited. Uh, so I think it'll be fun to have him on the show and, and see what he thinks. Yeah, so I'm going to save my thoughts on him coming to join. First of all, Patrick's a fantastic chef. Yeah. Loved his work at MB Steak and One Steak. Um, you know, I loved his work prior to that at other restaurants, SW, um, Eiffel Tower, all kinds of places. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to hear what he tells you more than he, what he told you in the article. Um, so maybe next week we'll Absolutely. be talking a bit more about that's what he hope, brings yeah. to the table. And Rich will get you all set up with good recording gear. So it sounds awesome. Because <laughs> that's, you know, we don't Who we are me. and what we do. Because I do it with a phone and it pisses him off every time. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I think it sounds great. But, you know. Anyway, where else have you died? Uh, so we stopped by the Yukon pop-up at uh, Vegas Test Kitchen. They pop were up? a pop. pop up. I'm telling you, it's very British it's, sounding. I, there. Very I am married to an Australian. <laughs> um. It shows, <laughs> or it sounds. Um, yeah, so they had a pop up with an expanded menu. They're getting ready to do um, their own brick and mortar um, coming up soon in the Hunters District. So that should be awesome. They had some really cool stuff out there. We had a Ubano which is how they had it on the menu, Y-U-B-A-N-O, <laughs> Yukon Cubano. Oh, okay. um, and it was a really, yeah. really, oh, okay. really yeah. great version of an iconic sandwich. And uh, their sourdough has a lot to do with that. It's like 150 years old or something like that. Mm. And uh, the sandwich yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, I believe it's a 135-year starter that he something, got passed yeah. down to him by his father. And it's awesome. It's a, and, yeah. yeah, it's really good. And when I was there the pre- previous week, they were doing um, a Philly cheesesteak. So mm-hmm. it sounds like this, this Hundreds thing is going to focus a lot on sandwiches i think there's i mean they have a lot of sandwiches they've tested they've had a lot of burgers in the past um so i'd like to see them bring some of that and of course the pizza is always amazing mm-hmm. so among other snacks we of course ordered a pizza because you can't go to yukon and not have pizza mm-hmm. um and then we cooked a lot 
So we did uh, some char soup pork, and we did a version of banh mi, which we really enjoyed. Um, and, but the most fun thing, I think, was stopping over at Featherblade and getting a lamb shoulder. Whoa. And put that on one of two, like, industrial-sized rotisseries we just got for our <laughs> end-of-summer party. And gave that a test run, and it was amazing. You yeah. and Rich are big Featherblade people. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. I've I've still not to be in, but everybody knows I don't cook, so it would be really useless <laughs> of me just to have a bunch of yeah. raw meat in my house. Yeah, I go to yeah. butchers for my dog more than I go more frequently <laughs> than I go for myself. That's like a sad fact. Fair enough. Commentary Fair enough. on my life. Rich, what about you, man? I had a bagel. <laughs> <laughs> not just any bagel. Clearly, the best, most New York authentic, chewy, covered in everything bagel that I have experienced in Las Vegas. Yeah, it's finally here. Bodega Bagel, owned and run by, with an iron fist, I found out, by uh, Sonia on the wall. It's open on St. Rose Parkway in Henderson. I was there uh, opening day on Tuesday, about three hours into opening day. And, you know, on any opening day, as you would expect, it's a bit in chaos mode. Mm -hmm. Uh, Running out of bagels. You can see the steam rising from the back as they're frantically trying to bring more up. Uh, Sony was working feverishly to get out hot orders, uh, and the staff, yeah, they need to get up to speed, but then, like I said, it was three hours in. Three sure. hours in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I ordered half a dozen to go, and a toasted bagel with scallion cream cheese for the drive, for the test drive. Uh, at the moment, they had salt and plain and poppy seed, and I ordered the plain, and five minutes later, the guy says, oh, we're out of plain. I said, well... <laughs> What's coming up? And he ran to the back, and then he ran back up and said, I got everything bagels. I say, give me seven of those. Six to go, one with the, with the cream cheese. Now, when I say everything, or salt, or poppy seed, man, they, they, they mean it. From a distance, I thought it was a chocolate bagel. It was so covered in poppy seeds. Yes, yeah, Sonia yeah. does not skimp on her top. Not at all. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm thinking, well, maybe she should a little bit, because that's a lot of stuff on there. Uh, a bit of it fell off. I have to say I had... That fresh bagel with all that crispy everything stuff yesterday made there. This morning, I had uh, one a day old bagel, and all the crispy stuff was uh, not so crispy anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. But there was so much of it, I did have to sort of scrape a, a little bit off. And with the salt, I, I couldn't possibly do that. So I'm looking forward to having the plain bagel to, to really uh, get that. It is really still the best bagel I've uh, found since my time in Manhattan a quarter century ago. No respect to my regular Sunday morning sausage, egg, and cheese bagel. <laughs> Life's a bagel. No respect? Everything. No disrespect. Okay. <laughs> like, no, no. Damn, I'll still man, be good there. Catch. Down no fucking respect at y'all. Yeah. You know, I go there on Saturday morning for that little ritual, despite the fact having to sit next to the guy with about 18 Trump stickers on his uh, 1999 oh Ford Fairlane. Uh, but Sonia has definitely set a new higher standard. I am very very much looking for the to the day she opens that second shop closer to my house. Yeah, you know, what I do like about her heavy t- seasoning on her bagels is I am a sucker for a sandwich on a bagel. Yeah. Like, I, mm-hmm. that is my favorite type of bread to eat a sandwich on when I have cold cuts at home. Sure. The extent of my cooking, cold cuts and bacon <laughs> on a sandwich, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, some good mustard on it. And that I really like in everything bagel that is coated yes. to crap for yep. a sandwich. Because yeah. then I really don't even have to put the mustard on it. You know, just something to kind of moisten it up, and it's awesome. So these are what I'm thinking are going to be my new sandwich bagels. Yeah. Worth yeah, yeah. a trip to Henderson. Yeah, uh, one of our guests today, uh, Kim, uh, she and I got together a couple of weeks ago and went over and, and saw Sonia and saw everything before they were opened up and went home with a couple of bagels. And yeah, yeah. the everything bagel is, yeah. 
Everything. Everything. <laughs> so before I locked myself up into the house to write for this book, Unofficial Guide to Las Vegas, pre-order it now, That's people. right. Um, and man, a lot's changed in the past three years since we did an edition of that. That's why it's just so tiring. But yeah. We'll talk more about that when the book comes out. But before I hunkered down, I did pay a visit to Nene Japanese Contemporary Bistro on Grand Canyon at Flamingo. It's in there with the Chuck E. Cheese, if you know. Oh, that. Well, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Why everybody knows that, I don't know. We get either that or I'm a landmark person. <laughs> yeah. That one sticks out. Yeah. Either that or the Dave and Buster's. And, you know, there you go. We can triangulate <laughs> and find it. This is actually a place really close to my house that I had not even heard of before mm. I sent out the surveys for Neon Feast last fall. But I love it. Um, I describe it closer to an itzakaya in the type of Japanese restaurant it is. Um, I I had amazing sushi. I had a sashimi plate that was great. I had chutoro and otoro on the nigiri menu. Now, they're regularly on the menu, but they were also on the special menu. Uh, $3.50 and $4.50 a piece, which is just a fucking good price for um, chutoro and otoro. Um, I had a couple great dishes from the Robata Grill. I had a Big piece of saba, which is mackerel. I had a huge prawn served with the head, some baked mussels, some udon noodles with scallops, and a creamy sauce that was a little unusual, but I really dug okay, it. Now I need to go to Nene Japanese. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a solid place, man. <laughs> I also picked out a nice bottle of Jumai Ginjo for Sue that oh. I thought was a pretty reasonable price. It was only a 300 milliliter bottle, 20 bucks uh, for Jumai Ginjo. You know, I mean, you're not seeing that most. All in all, reasonable pricing. I think our bill was like $138 total. That included two orders each of the Chutoro and the Otoro and a little bit of sake. So for me, in these, these pricing, what things are these days, I thought that was a solid deal. That's brilliant. So they are on Neon Feast. You can <laughs> find them there. Um, you can't make a reservation yet. Maybe they'll sign up for that one of these days. Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> um, but that's Come on, Nene. <laughs> Another place I went to that I like a lot where I did not like the price point, it's called Primal Steak, and it's located in the Boulevard Mall of all places. That's your first Well, no, but that's why I wanted to go. Trying to bring it back up. That's fair. I should start by saying that we were invited by Rob and Mary Cashelries. Um, You all know Rob from Mm -hmm. Thrillist and from this show. He knows good food as well as or better than just about anybody in town. And that includes myself and the people at this table. No disrespect intended. Rob just knows his shit. Um, He had heard about it from Mary, who had heard about it from a coworker. I don't even think they knew that it was in Boulevard Mall when they first heard about it. That's what hooked me. And I was like, okay, you're hearing good shit about something in the Boulevard Mall. I got to go check that out. So I was intrigued and they were kind enough to invite Sue and I along. Uh, I need to start by saying the company was great. Great. I also want to say the place was cool as hell. I dug it. It is huge. It's decorated like either a medieval castle or a pirate ship. I couldn't quite <laughs> figure it out. Um, the candles that melt until they just take over the candle holder. Oh, yeah. yeah. Suits of armor. Um, a big, giant space. Uh, really, you know, wild. I was digging it. I mean, tacky as fuck. I'm but, going you to know. castle because even back then they realized mm. you don't want to take suits of armor on a boat. Yeah. Well, I figured maybe if you were landing <laughs> you know, somewhere. I mean. I mean, I'm just saying those House of Dragons people get on a boat and then they show up and they got suits armor on. So I don't know how they got there, but I figured maybe they took it on a boat. I don't know. Um, Anyway, look, my server was excellent. I mean, she could honestly, you know, work in the finest of fine dining restaurants on the strip. Great personality, newer shit. uh, Wonderful. All of our appetizers are excellent. The steaks were good. 
Uh, we had a rib cap, which you don't find in a lot of places. We had a New York strip that was smoked under glass as it was brought to the table. We had a filet. And just to be contrarian, I ordered a burger. Um, <laughs> yeah. On the surface, they were all better than you'd expect to find at the Boulevard Mall, by far. Sure. Um, we did have some issues with them bringing us the wrong plates and then taking them back because they were meant for another table. Oh, Oops. okay. Okay, now that's, again, the runners, not our server, who sure. is fantastic. Worse yet, my medium burger, which came and then was taken back and then was brought back to me. <laughs> Oh my god. I tend to order my burgers medium at a restaurant unless I know how they grind their meat. Sure. Right? Just yeah. E. coli protection. Yep. You know, I'll eat beef raw if I know who's Absolutely. doing it. Absolutely. I ordered it medium uh, and it came after the second time brought it was just blood rare. Now I don't mind that. I ate it. I didn't send it back. I was like whatever. All good. But worth noting that they didn't get that right. Yep. But my real problem. Look that's fine. Boulevard Mall. A couple mix ups. No problem. Cool stuff. And it's a, a new excellent place? Excellent apps. I think they've been open a year. Okay. I was told by our server. Um, my real problem came with the prices. The small rib cap was on the specials menu that was announced. You know, it wasn't on the menu for me to take a picture. Sure. Of. I believe it was $90. might have been $80. Somewhere in there. That's, that's strip pricing yeah. for a rib cap. Yeah. And it was not a really huge piece. Uh, the 16-ounce smoked New York was $51. 8-ounce filet, which I'd call petite filet, was $49. My burger was $28. And while our appetizers were the best part of the meal, I still think $19 for my black ceviche or $20 for a tiny lobster, a small lobster tail with quinoa, which was meant as a side. We ordered it as an app. I, again, I think this is just too much money to spend at a pirate ship inside a frigging mall, <laughs> inside the Boulevard Mall, not the yeah. fashion they're, show they're mall. Their heads yeah. vehemently agreeing with the room. Yeah, around sort of room. a Boulevard Mall of broken dreams. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, we get the check for four people and certainly the cocktails, but it was well over $500. Sure, you know, yeah. And this is just not what I want. Now, they had added the 18% gratuity, which... On tape party of four, that's just got to tell me that a lot of people are getting their checks and saying, I didn't expect it to be this expensive. I'm going right. to tip the waitress. Yep. Now, first of all, fuck those people. Exactly. But secondly, um, yeah, maybe if the problem is that all your customers are running out because they're not tipping you properly, maybe the price point's a little too high for the Boulevard Mall. I just don't know. I'm really glad I went. I really dug the place. If I'm ever on the east side and I'm going to Champagne's Lounge to do karaoke or some shit later, Absolutely. I would go there and I would sit at the crazy pirate ship medieval castle bar and I would have appetizers and be ready to pay for it. But um, thank you to Rob and Mary for inviting us. We had a good time. And that's about all that I have right now. All right. Coming up in the news, one big opening, one sad closing. But first, we dive deep into a book club that's also a food and cooking club with community interests. This is Food and Moment. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast, restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com.
Joining us today is Kim Foster, a guest for the third time. Woohoo! Yes. Uh, Kim is a James Beard Award-winning food essayist and cook who is currently at work on a book about food and poverty in Las Vegas called The Meth Lunches. It will be out in fall 2023. Meth heads I know never ate that much. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> but I did read your, your, your essay of the same title, which yep. was really, really good. Yeah, and I, enjoyed it. I did not know that people didn't. It didn't have an appetite. I mean, it makes sense because it's a stimulant. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had no idea, but they actually like don't eat. No, yeah, when you're on and your book. descriptions in the essay is yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kim is also the creator and administrator behind Please Send Noodles. That is with three exclamation points at the end. A cookbook club based in Las Vegas. I am a happy member of this club, and I couldn't be more excited to have her here today. Um, Please send noodles. Again, three exclamation points if you're searching for us on Facebook. is um, uh, Sorry, I always want to shout it. Facebook-based community uh, that supports the Writer's Block Bookstore in downtown Las Vegas, which Al mentioned earlier we are recording in today. Yes, we are. Um, And they, in turn, support Please Send Noodles uh, by sourcing needed books, allowing the group to gather for in-person cooking events, which we'll talk more about at the end of this segment, um, often including demonstrations and a member-cooked potluck. So also with us, very grateful, is club member Natasha Call. Natasha is an attorney and social worker by training, an enthusiastic home cook, and loves connecting with people over food. Her husband Dave and Labrador Max often serve as guinea pigs for her food experiments. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my Max, I always say he's an Indian dog. And he he loves his food. He loves the snacks. So he's always sitting right behind me when I'm cooking, looking for pieces I drop or clean up crew. So I never have to vacuum the kitchen. It's yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah, my dog gets very mad yeah. if I run the Roomba before he's had a chance yeah. to, after I eat. And, you know, he hasn't had a chance to look for my crumbs. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm a messy eater. Yeah. John, John and I call that floor snacks. Yeah. <laughs> so did you guys eat anything cool this week? Natasha, what are you making? Well, actually, this week, my dad retired, so there was a big retirement party, and my mom was in the kitchen full steam ahead. That's awesome. So, yeah, I ate everything this week. <laughs> I ate Greek food and Indian food and and Chinese food, because we did, uh, my dad was a diplomat for the State Department, so we did food from every country he was posted in. That's awesome. Which wow. was great. That is so fun. We learned there's no Cambodian food in town, so. I saw you looking for something, yeah. yeah. We found out that there is a Cambodian family that makes what I think are some of the best donuts in Las Vegas. There you go. And so we got their donuts. Where's our, this? Uh, this is Friendly Donuts in Hendertucky. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's actually not far from the Fiesta. Okay. Highly recommend their buttermilk bar and their glazed donut. Awesome. Thanks. Indeed. Yeah, no so. Cambodian food. I thought that I had reviewed a Cambodian restaurant for like 15 years ago when I was with City Life. I'm not sure. There's one, I think it's called Seafood Something. It has Chinese and Cambodian food. One of the purveyors is Cambodian, but didn't find enough of an audience for Khmer food here. Mm-hmm. So they do mostly Chinese food, but apparently if you speak Khmer and you ask them nicely, they'll make it for you. Well, that rules me out. <laughs> <laughs> you took that right I'm out of my not mouth. nice and I don't speak <laughs> Khmer. Uh, so, Kim, you yeah. started the club in October 2019. Correct. What got us started? So um, I just felt like... Uh, a lot of the focus in Vegas, for good reason, is on restaurants mm-hmm. and uh, professionals cooking for us. And I wanted to really have a 
community of home cooks who enjoy cooking and get together and cook and talk about cookbooks and uh, and uh, which also includes people who are learning to cook and yep. just all come together once a month and talk about food and just have like a really fun time together. That's, that's awesome. not restauranty. Right. You know, so people are really perfecting their own skills at home and, and, and everybody who comes to this this club loves food. And we have everybody from chefs who are, you know, bakers, uh, to um, you know, people who are anxious about cooking or who don't like to cook. Uh, <laughs> she points yeah, at me. I'm pointing it out. <laughs> I actually do like to cook. I rarely you have do. time to cook. Yeah, that's, so, yeah, that's I'm, fair. I'm more of a special occasions. I pull out a cookbook and my wife and I, you know, we used to shop together and co- make a whole day out of our anniversary where we'd pull one of the cookbooks off the wall because we have a I love beautiful wall of signed cookbooks. <laughs> one day I said, shit, I, there's recipes in those things. And um, yeah, so. What cookbooks do you like? We never talk about oh, what cookbooks you like. I mean, again, I'm mostly into the ones for the pictures, you know? Like, some of my favorite are, like, um, the El Bulli, which I have in yeah. Spanish that I can't even read it. But, um, <laughs> you know, and um, the Elenia cookbook I like a lot, but I can't make anything on that. But, no, I'll pull something from Rick Moonen's cookbook down. But this is one of the things I was going to ask you about your, your cookbook club is I have found that a lot of cookbooks are not conducive to home cooks because they either have ingredients that are impossible to find or they didn't do what should be done when you're writing a cookbook, which is the chef writes it and then a professional cookbook writer interprets it so that it makes sense that you could follow it along. So I'd say half the cookbooks on my shelves are completely useless to me. So I wanted to ask, how hard is it for you to find, not only find a great cookbook, but to make sure that you're going to be able to source the ingredients locally, that people won't have to go crazy, and that the instructions will be easy enough to follow along? So most chef driven cookbooks are not really conducive to home cooking. It's really about showing off the chef's food and it might be something that's sold through the restaurant or, you know, those kinds of things. Like this is what this particular chef's style is. And so somebody who's really, really avid cook like Gemini um, or Natasha or myself, like we might try something like that, right? Or or want to Absolutely. do those things, right? Mm-hmm. But most people are just looking for something that totally makes sense. And so we really focus in this group on cookbook writers who have a really solid understanding of home cooking and also are able to really like build a recipe that works for home cooks, that's flexible, that doesn't have huge ingredient lists, that, you know, sort of is simple, but like can be made. It's not super intimidating. Mm-hmm. So those are the kinds of things that we're looking for. And most of our books are from really solid recipe mm-hmm. writers and not chefs. And they don't say fold in the egg whites. <laughs> I've had somebody say, how the hell do you fold egg whites? <laughs> okay, that's what's, what's the show? Um, the, Shit's the, Creek. Shit's Creek. Fold yeah, in okay. the cheese. Fold it. You just fold it in, David. Fold it in. Totally. But like chefs cook differently. So they are not, and there's a certain culinary knowledge that happens in a kitchen that doesn't need to happen in a home kitchen. So a lot of times it doesn't translate Mm -hmm. well for a home cook. And so, um, but this year, um, like, uh, a lot of really chefy books win, you know, beard awards and things like that. So they're great, but it just takes a level of expertise that a lot of people don't want to have mm-hmm. to get dinner on the table. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so 
because I know that we have events here at the Writer's Block, how did you and the Writer's Block get together to do this? So Drew and I have been friends from way back. And there's a ton of other book clubs here, like the Bourbon Book Club. And, you know, they have a ton of stuff. And I was like damn, why don't you have a cookbook <laughs> club I can join? Like, it's all, like, I love that. And so there wasn't one. So I was just like, let's just do it. Let's just get together and have fun. And that's how the Facebook And that's group. how it started. And I then I, so I did the Facebook group so we could all connect. Sure. And figure out who was making what and, and you know, give people information. And then COVID happened. And then we all sort of had to go online. Mm-hmm. And so a bunch of people dropped out who used to come to the in-person events. And then... I call them the hard nine, which are like, there's nine of us that just hung in for the entire (laughs) COVID. And then about 20 people like would come in and out, but we would meet every other week, right? Natasha, every other week on zoom and just talk about like, basically like what you guys do to open the show, you know, where we've eaten, what we've been doing, problems we've had, people bring their, I can't get this meringue to set up. Like, what do you guys do? And then we have a, 15 minute conversation about cream of tartar or something you know I mean it's really geeky where to shop for the best where to shop we always end up talking about markets if you want to know about the best markets in Vegas yeah. we've got you or where an expensive ingredient is on sale yeah. yes yes exactly speaks to my Indian soul big time <laughs> so you know it's really about like and also like if we're doing Indian food like for instance Natasha's grandmother has been a like like weirdly like a big part of the- yeah, yeah. <laughs> for someone you guys have never met she isn't like kind of our our mascot yeah. she is <laughs> I think that's a good way to put it <laughs> so so you know there's always somebody who has like um you know like a knowledge about something that can help like a newbie or somebody who hasn't cooked a particular cuisine before so we have like experts and yep. newbies and people who are anxious about cooking and just all kinds of levels so no one should worry about coming into the group and not having enough experience it's not about that right so. yeah the good news is about all the people that are very experienced cooks like the like Gemini and and Kim for somebody like me that's just a home cook, it the environment that you guys create is very welcoming to questions. Like there is no dumb question. Yeah. There is no stu- like too dumb mistake. Not at all. I'm usually the one that says my meringue didn't meringue. What? what? <laughs> Here's a picture. Please tell me what happened. Right? It's usually me bringing these problems in, and, and everyone's really friendly and encouraging about their responses and willing to jump in and help. And I mean, we even have a member who couldn't figure out how to boil water at first. So yeah. I think that's right. It's so awesome that it's an environment where it's not embarrassing to say you don't know how to do it. Not at all. Right. And everybody jumps in. They want to help. They want to to bring it to a level that is understood by everybody. Um, nobody talks down to anybody. There's right. something really comforting about that, yeah. especially during COVID when we were all doing everything over a computer. I mean, Natasha, I think I knew you for quite a few months before I met you in person. Absolutely. Because of doing this at yes. least every other week. Yes. So Awesome. So you, I know you joined in November after most of the COVID shutdowns, but people were still being really careful. I, I know I was one of them. Um, how did you find the club, Natasha? How did you get involved? So I had heard this tale about a cookbook group. <laughs> I, it was, there was like lore out there. 
over the campfire one yeah. day. The mythical, the mythical cookbook and club. I had heard that it was on Facebook, but for the life of me, I could not find it. So there's exclamation it's, points. That's why I did the three exclamation, exclamation points. Well, okay. If you're looking for a book group, like how on, are you going to search noodles? Are you going to search please send noodles? No, I was, I was searching Las Vegas cookbooks. I was searching cooking group. I, I found all kinds of other really cool stuff, sure. but, but not the group. And then um, I'm one of the nerds that reads Desert Companion. The, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw a story that Kim had published about uh, an out-of-work chef that she'd encountered. And the story really resonated with me. And I, you know, I'm previously a social worker, so working on our community and helping each other out is something that really resonates to me. And so I started looking for more of her work. And when I entered her name into Facebook. There you go. I found the book and it was like the light started shining and the angels were singing. (laughs) And the funny thing was the first time you just showed up, like she showed up, you you didn't know anybody. Yeah. And she was, it was like, she was meant for us. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was like, there was symbiosis. 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 Like the minute it was like, and it was like, and I think David, your husband said something like you have found your people. Absolutely. Because amongst my group of friends, I am the only cook, the only enthusiastic cook for sure. And so when I tried to talk to a lot of my friends about food, they don't care. They just want to eat whatever I've made, right? They don't care how it got there, right? right? And they don't care what what awesome ingredient is on sale. (laughs) So when I found people that not only wanted to talk about food in a, a really conversational way and with a lot of enthusiasm and talk about a variety of food, but they also want to talk about food in the community and issues of of hunger and helping our community through food. Absolutely. Again, the angels were singing. And it was, that was exactly it. My husband sat in the background on the first call and he looked at me afterwards. He was like, wow, you just found your people. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so that brings me to a good point. You know, Kim, your writing and interviews often talk about the intersection of food, nutrition with poverty. Yep. Um, and a lot of things that go into that because there's so many reasons behind why somebody might find themselves in that situation. Correct. Um, you know, part of the sh- as part of the shutdowns, I know y- you saw a need for community programs and yep. needed help. What made you bring it to Please Send Noodles? Was it because of how affable and easy everybody is? Was it that you saw a need for that in the group itself? How did those two things come together for you? So, first of all, it was everybody in the group. It wasn't even my idea. It was everybody. Can I just interject? Are we talking about, because I remember seeing you on Facebook, sort of like you did a community pantry where everybody, Mm -hmm. please send noodles. So the situation was one where all the Please Send Noodles group members made dishes and brought them to your house, and then you distributed them to anybody who needed them. It was something like that, right? So I had already had, so just setting it up quickly for people, I had, um, I have a little free library in front of my house, and that, I was putting toilet paper and paper towels and stuff that people had might not get because people were hoarding Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it became, it just on its own, people were taking stuff and it became bigger. And then the folks over at Rebar gave us a bar fridge, Mm -hmm. a beer fridge. And we put that out in front and plugged it in our, you know, it was sitting in our yard. And so we had like a little like grocery area. And then I got hooked up with Katinka Frasinski in, uh, in Henderson, who was doing her own thing in Henderson, mm-hmm. and she was going to supermarkets and grabbing food that was almost at the expiration yeah. date. And so before I knew it, I had like a green market outside of my house yep. with like, you know, I would set it up. So we had like, you know, fruit and vegetables and all kinds of like really awesome things going on. And then so Please Send Noodles, we would talk about this during the thing, and they were like, well, what we should be doing like, 
community dinners for yep. people and that kind of stuff. And we couldn't get together to do a community dinner. So, so they, <laughs> we all they, cooked would, at home. they would cook at home, <laughs> bring everything to my house. And then we would have a bunch of people who either cooked or didn't cook, who would like do all the assembly, the line. assembly line. And we, and you know, my kid would be there. Like my kids were all like helping and everybody was there and we would put this stuff in boxes and then people would come drive up. We'd, Somebody would walk it out, put it in the back of their trunk, and then they'd drive off. And so it was super safe. We had um, Luke Palladino and Kim Owens came to give us a safety like mm-hmm. workshop so that we made sure everything was like handled restaurant quality style, yep. you know, and, um, and it ended up being super successful. So we were doing like, we called it a hundred dinners, but we were yep. making about 200 dinners and, uh, we had, uh, vegan options and, uh, all kinds of things. And it was very successful in the community, but that was all the members of Please and Noodles who wanted to do that. That wasn't me. That's great. But I think your pantry really revealed a need, too, that there are the vast majority of people don't know how to cook. So if you hand them a bag of rice or a bag of lentils or something like that, they have no idea what to do with it usually. No, they don't. And so that's where I think making the dinners really helped to to cover a need that Mm -hmm. people had. That And what we were doing sometimes is also cooking with these ingredients and then they had the dry version available in the pantry. Exactly what I was going to say, yep. Try to replicate it at home. So at one point I had nearly uh, three quarters of a ton of dried beans in my house. So my, my son was <laughs> yeah, making... It's like the army or <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, like exactly. So they have these, um, f- these uh, farm-to-family boxes, which basically just tap... Uh, companies to like give what, whatever they have like in, in surplus they put these in these boxes and give them away they were doing that during COVID and they were at the end there were these bag of beans well the thing is you get a couple bags of beans but people were getting the checks by then and they weren't needing to use dried beans anymore Yeah. so I just kept getting them and getting them and getting them and I would like send them these guys would come and pick up <laughs> bags of chickpeas bags of split peas bags of you know and then like they'd be like oh i made this fan- yeah. this dish and they'd put it in a little thing and i'd give everybody mm-hmm. plastic things and they would make it so this group was like really repurposing and making dinners for people out of food that would have just gone in the trash yeah. So, so it's pretty amazing. Yeah, Kim also did a really good job of taking a pan-ethnic look at the pantry stock because she came to all of us and said, you know, I know what stocks my pantry well, but if we look across a bunch of different ethnicities, what else do we need in here, right? And she exactly. call, called on all of us to fill it out. So you know, she may not have thought of needing star anise or whole cinnamon sticks or different things like that that different cultures use yep. in their staple food. So she was really mindful of asking the group to contribute ideas on what needs to be in every well-stocked pantry that would address the entire community around us. Yep, we had an amazing list. We really did. Stuff. You guys like created an amazing list of pantry ingredients yeah. that I think is pretty, that really incorporated like Indian food, Chinese food, Filipino, Mexican, like it just really like... Yeah. You know, because you could see who was coming to the pantry. So you knew what your community was. You know, you knew what people really wanted. You know, people would drive up in their electric wheelchairs and, you know, get their groceries and then go to their house and stuff. So it was really like an incredible community effort. I was really proud and pleased to have all these amazing people in my life. So absolutely. Yeah. It is a great group of people. Um, So are there are there any community projects coming up? Yes. Okay. So here we're going to be doing a. So we're just starting again from COVID. Right. Because for the long time I didn't want to do sharing of food, even though we're sort of out of the COVID 
I mean, we're not really out of it. Right. right. Uh, we just stopped caring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. If you didn't get the damn needle, then die. I don't care. <laughs> Just let me go out. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently the burners brought back a ton of COVID. Apparently that's yeah. been a whole thing on Twitter. So um, 80,000 people in that kind of heat. Yeah. It's got and yeah. hugging each other. And I bet there's know. a lot of fucking anti-vaxxers there too. <laughs> Just strike me as a place where a lot of anti-vaxxers would be. Uh, so okay so we are going to do a community uh a community program but we're starting first with the first event at the uh the last monday in september the 26th the 26th will be the in-house or the in-person event yep that will happen bi-monthly last monday of every month and in between will be a zoom call yep so you can come to the Zoom. All this information is in the Facebook group. Please send noodles. Three exclamation points. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, you know somebody's going to be typing out T-H-R-E-E-E-X-C. <laughs> no, that's not what she means. I kind of hope they do, but, you know. And there will be a community component, but I'm, we're just figuring that out now because sure. we're just getting started back in person. Sure. So um, if people want to be involved, they should come to the writer's block on the last Monday of this month. We what will, time? Uh, it will be at 6.30 to, is, is it to 8 or 8.30? I can't remember. Until we're all full. Until we're all full, yeah. yeah. So until, yeah, until everybody rolls out of here. Um, <laughs> this time, nobody has to cook for the event. We will be cooking for you. So yep. if you come, we're going to be having, we're all making ramen. Yep, we're going to talk about that book in a minute. Yeah, we'll talk about that book. And then um, people can come, eat ramen, see what we're all about. Uh, Gemini has set up a chef demo. Why don't you talk a little bit? We about are, that? yeah. Uh, we've invited Chef Lanny Chin of Laneta Cochina in downtown Summerlin and Moss Porpovor on Spring Mountain Road. Uh, he's going to be coming in. He's got a uh, history of ramen in his career, so he's offered to come in, show us how to make noodles, Perfect. and uh, talk about ramen and and the book. That's going to be great. And there is will be a new book that everybody will cook from for the next mm -hmm. event. And that book, I'm not even going to tell you what it is because you have to come or go to the Facebook page if you want to know what That's it is. That's right. And but it will be available for purchase at the writer's block. Yes. And if you cannot afford the book, it is not a problem. Please come anyway. We will figure out a way to either get you the book or you can choose recipes that you want. You sh if you can't buy the book, it is not a reason to, it's not a reason to keep you from coming. Agreed. So. Agreed. So let me ask, though, if people want to come to the one that's at the end of this month, yep. should they prep by reading the book, even though they don't have to cook no. when think, they come? No, they don't have to. But I, I do want to kind of plug the book really quick and talk about it, because you made a comment earlier that made me really excited to show you this book, if you haven't seen it already, is you talked about the pictures and, and something that's going to get you engaged. On the front of this book it says a comic book cookbook. Ah. And I didn't read the front before I opened it. I was just <laughs> excited to receive it and, and, and go through it. And if you look at the pages, it is laid out much like a comic book, a lot of really great imagery to go along with the instructions. So no, you don't have to have the book, but you should get the book. Um, and that book is Let's Make Ramen by Hugh Amano and Sarah Bacan. It is available at the writer's block for $19.99 plus tax. Um, and Did we, we tell people where the writer's block is, by the way? I just, I don't know if we gave the We are on address. Bonneville and 6th in downtown Fremont. Cool. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you don't have to have the book, um, but because I am so in love with this book, and part of this whole talk today is the fact that it is a cookbook club, 
what made you pick this book? Who picked this book? Uh, I picked this book. Uh, I thought it would be really fun as a summer thing to just do uh, a lot of ramen. Because, I, I don't know, ramen just feels like appropriate for even in... I'm on board for degree. that. You know, I, I've talked often about my love for ramen on this show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's great. And just different broths, different stocks, different uh, tares, different, like, different uh, add-ins. We talked about the add-ins, like mm-hmm. pickled mushrooms, that kind of stuff. This, it, like, there's a lot of really amazing dishes inside the book. And you can make the ramen without having to make the noodles yourself. So there's right. like lots of different levels. Like if you're just a beginning cook, it's simple enough. But then if you're somebody who has like a lot of skill, there's like definitely some challenge in there. For sure. You. Can I ask a question about ramen? Sure. I'm sure it's in the comic book, but um, <laughs> I don't have the attention span to read a comic book. Um, I've always thought, obviously, making noodles is its entire thing. Now, a lot of people only know ramen from, you know, the stuff we ate right. in college. The, the 25, cent 25 cents packages. a pack, yeah. right? But, of course, <laughs> Vegas, luckily, has a great ramen scene. Um, you mentioned you don't have to be able to make the noodles, but isn't making the broth often, like, several days like when you're when you're trying to make tonkatsu yeah. I mean that is not just like a whip it together for a meal you've got to really boil those bones down and yep. get the stock together yeah. what, how much time goes in, into making ramen broth well it's a lot I mean there's different ones in here yeah they, and Gemini kick in if you want to kick in sh- about it there's different before. ones some are more fatty than others and have more like and have more um sort of knobby uh, sinewy parts to it and so those take a lot longer to break down you can do a simple dashi broth which they have in there really in less than an hour oh yeah like yeah. easily okay. there's and a so yeah. there's night broth in there yeah yeah and one of the things i like about this book too is is we've talked about the club having all these different levels of cooks all the way from professional chef to somebody who had to learn to boil water is this walks you through all these different components that go into making the broth and then later making your ramen bowl so you can have everything done ahead of time keep it in the fridge or freezer and then make it so if you want to spend a weekend learning how to do this it'll show you how where you either have a weekend or maybe you have 30 minutes it it walks you through all the quick stuff all the all the heavy duty stuff Um, if you have the stock you can just keep that in the freezer you can even keep it on the stove yep and then just once a day heat it up and there then turn go. it off and keep it on the stove. You've I mean, been in my kitchen, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys a quick secret Please. about that. This is, I'm a little reticent <laughs> to do it because I feel like I'm revealing something that I've like closely guarded. <laughs> but in You're a in gr- a safe space. Yeah. It, well, in a group with so many great cooks, if you don't want to do the 12-hour cooking process... I just wait for one of the group members to do it. And then when one of them tells me, oh, my God, I have like a hundred containers of broth now. I, I am uh-huh. the, the Man, helpful you're friend. You're a after my own. Yeah. I'm the helpful friend that says, oh, I'll come get one for you. I'll bring you a donut. And then I just make the sides. Like always, we have one group member who's famous for making uh, English muffins, sourdough English muffins, and I'm just waiting on the sidelines usually. <laughs> oh, is that Leanne? This, this, yeah. Leanne, I was going to say, this show knows her well. Uh, Leanne with the blog Good for Spooning yes. uh, is is a uh, an avid and one of the, the top nine, I think you would you She's call one it? of the hard, hard nine. Hard nine. Yeah. And um, yeah, her she gave her some sourdough when COVID first started, and yeah, she ran with it. I think I get my sourdough stuff from her now yeah I've, I've pilfered I'm proud to say I've pilfered a lot <laughs> <laughs> nice. that's what I do and that like kitchen's about getting nicer by the exactly. day exactly <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and that's where all the community stuff brings it in. So again, just a reminder, um, this is the Please Send Noodles Cookbook Club found on Facebook. Please Send Noodles with three exclamation marks if you're searching. Or the direct link is facebook.com slash groups slash please send noodles. So more Asian on the strip and tragically less Egyptian vegan in Las Vegas. The news is next. This is Food and Loathing. And it is time for the news, as you can tell from those outdated sound effects that we love so much. A I was going to say, we called them outdated, the but we story still of use my, them. story of my career right there. Man. Uh, oh. Rich and I are pretty much outdated. Yeah. So, um, and look, we keep you around. You keep us around. So. Sometime in the 80s. Oh, man, that, that teletype's going to get tired of typing, so I better hurry up. A reminder that the Life is Beautiful Festival is taking over downtown Las Vegas from Friday, September 16th through Sunday, September 18th. The footprint is large, so check with your favorite businesses about their hours if they're within that footprint. Know when they're available. And if you're still looking for tickets, you can pick them up at lifeisbeautiful.com. And if you want to know all about the food, go back a couple episodes and listen to us. That's right. As I shared uh, earlier in uh, Places We Ate This Week, Bodega Bagel is now open. You can listen to the conversation with Chef Sonia El Nawal on episode 62. The shop is on the corner of a strip mall on St. Rose Parkway, just east of Eastern Avenue. So if you're heading east, you go past the medical complex, you turn right, and then you take a left, and then you find a parking spot, and then you say, <laughs> "Where? oh, it's over in the corner. Okay, there it is. Yeah. 7 a.m. to a 3 p.m. breakfast and lunch six days a week, closed on Mondays. I want Siri to use Rich's voice and give me directions in Wouldn't my car. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. Do that, that would be Except really Except it would awesome. be, I said turn left, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I want my car to say to me. I call that, I call Siri an asshole. Years ago, there was go. some some service was offering celebrity voices for to put into your GPS, and I believe John Cleese was one of them. Oh, Oh my God. That would have been awesome. <laughs> you idiot. Uh, we have a, oh, there, there we go. Rich is ringing. <laughs> we have a sad bit of follow-up to my interview with her a few weeks ago. Um, Chef Iman Hagag has closed Pots Egyptian. Um, you might remember she closed her brick-and-mortar location after her lease was not reviewed in May. She moved into one of those ghost kitchens run by Cloud Kitchen Um and she was having a really rough time with that one. And now we find out she has, in fact, closed the doors. Yeah, I got to talk to her a little bit on uh, that day. She was cleaning up. Uh, it was August 31st. And so we kind of walked through the the complex and talked a little bit about it. And um, just not what she thought it was going to be this time around. Um, just paying far too much for, for what she thought she should be getting for that. So um, hopefully I'll be able to talk to her about more of that later. But, yeah, just kind of sad to see her step up for step off for a bit. Um, not sure if she's going to come back. I, I I would hate to lose her as a culinary voice in this community because she's a very underrepresented segment of the community. I mean, you know, first of all, really original vegan food, yeah. really original plant-based food, Egyptian food, the only Egyptian food I know they were getting here in Las Vegas, yeah. maybe a couple other places, I shouldn't say only, but um, certainly the only plant-based one. And she was awesome. We need more, you know, strong women that are doing original things in this town. They need to be supported. And... Um, I don't know if going to a giant super uber tech startup yeah. with billions yeah. of Saudi dollars is necessarily uh, the way to nurture. That's um, kind of, and yeah. I well, don't even want to begin to drive 
to the neighborhood behind the Strat for anything, much less pick up. I admit, I did anything? not like driving for anything. down there. I don't know. For anything. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can, think, I can find think my... of a couple of things you might get there that you want. <laughs> I can find pet... herpes, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God. I, I can always go under the trestle of Tropicana on the way to Orleans yeah. for some of those needs. Well, I mean, she and I first started talking because I was so excited to find this food hall being advertised, and, and I clicked on it because I love yeah. traveling and going to any place that's going to give me multitude of options that's not in a mall somewhere with a thousand screaming kids and, and all of that stuff. So and then I called her, was super excited to come out and have some food. I didn't realize it was mostly just a, a delivery hub and pickup kind of place. Yeah. Um, and that's when I you know, found out that she was leaving. So there was no time. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm disappointed in the idea that it's called a food hall and I'm disappointed in, yeah. in how everything kind of went down. So, so I have to say, I mean, for me, two, two giant problems. Number one, I never thought ghost kitchens were a good idea. Um, I think that they were salvation during the pandemic, and now they're a worse idea than they were before the pandemic yeah. right now. And also, technology companies that don't know shit about the industry that they're in. They Correct. only know technology. I can't speak to Cloud Kitchen. Maybe they do have a lot of great chefs involved, but I'm not getting that vibe. And I just, you know, this is the big problem. Technology companies know how to get eyeballs, but then they don't know how to run the taxi yeah. or to run a restaurant yeah. review yeah. site and or to do whatever. The few people whatever. that I've talked to have basically said that's exactly the analogy. Yeah. You know, they get you in the car, but then they don't know where they're going. Yeah. So, so from the neighborhood behind the Strat to the Strat itself. To the Strat itself, there's a new Asian restaurant coming to the Strat. It's called Chai Asian Kitchen, and the name basically means to eat. I think that's appropriate. Yeah. It will be opening in October, and according to the press release, Chai will serve an array of authentic and reimagined Chinese and other Asian dishes. Reminiscent of a bustling Chinese alley restaurant, the street-inspired interior will include a variety of traditional and unique design touches and decor. If you're looking for more info, on the menu, the RJ's Jonathan Wright took a deep dive with the Strat team about that, which you can read at ReviewJournal.com. And um, Colby and Ashley Frey? Fry. 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 I love them. Of Fry Ranch. Um, yeah, I do love them. I They're think it's, great oh, people. I huh? think you might be right. I thought it was Frey, but you know, you could just correct me. And no. I'm used to women telling me I'm wrong, and I just go along with it. So oh, no, that I is feel my bad. life. Um, <laughs> Sue will vouch for that. Uh, anyway, the, the Freys are bringing their Whiskey Harvest Celebration to Vegas Test Kitchen on October 10th with a four-course dinner prepared by Justin Kingsley Hall and Roy Elmar. So that's pretty awesome. I'm really excited about that. I went up to the Whiskey Harvest um, last fall. We talked about it on the show. They mm -hmm. have a lot of fun up there in, um, I think they're in Minden. They're up in northern Nevada. I think You'd that's right. Near Reno. Fernley and yeah. that area. I yeah, think. I believe it's Minden. I apologize to my friends up there. Yeah, you actually <laughs> flew, Kelly, right, Kelly. to get there? I flew to get there, yeah. yeah. Um, my apologies to my northern Nevada friends if I'm getting that one wrong. But very cool that Justin's coming back this soon to do something. Of course, he's also cooking at Life is Beautiful. Yeah, he's doing coming the cookout, up. yep. Um, and Roy Elmar. Um, so I got my invitation to this thing, you know, the, to this event, and I'm looking at it, and it's really hidden in the small print. This is the problem. I don't read half my damn email. Thank God I, I love um, Colby and Ashley because I probably wouldn't have read this email right. until like two days before. And I'm reading this really closely. I'm like, Justin and Roy, yay, I'm going, yay. Oh, Fun. man. I don't know about that being open to the public. We'll have more on that. I just know I got a media invite and I'll let Boom. the rest of you know about the open to the public part as we can. And I think that's about it for this week. So thank you to everyone who made this show happen. Please thank our guests for us, Gemini. I will, yeah. So um, yeah, I hope to have them both back again. They uh, are a really big part of that uh, community, which is a really big 
part of our life, so we appreciate them. And their names are? Their names are Kim Foster and <laughs> Natasha Call. Thank you again, guys, for coming in. Tell a friend about Food and Loathing. Spread the word on social media. Just search for Food and Loathing. If you have a question or comment, or write to Al. Find Al immediately at info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you haven't done it yet, download the Neon Feast app and use it to find your next dining destination. Whatever you need, whatever you want, you'll find it at Neon Feast. And if you're more about that laptop than the phone, just head to neonfeast.com. And if you want to see me on TV and see how silly I look and what colors are in my hair this week, (laughs) check out the CW Las Vegas every other Wednesday morning. That's at approximately 8.15 a.m. Just came from there today and had a lot of fun. You've uh, pretty much now reached every television station in town except the Spanish stations. So how's your Spanish working now? It's it's not very good. Um, I'm going to start watching The Simpsons and watch that B guy because I think he's got the best Spanish TV (laughs) presence ever. So I'm going to try to be like the B guy, maybe get on those channels. But no, man, I've been very, very lucky that um, a lot of friends from local TV have all had me on. My friends at Channel 8 just had me on. Um, Rocky, she was great. Um, And I think I've got an appearance coming up on Channel 13 soon. I'll let you know about that as soon as that's great. Yeah. And of course, there is also good old uh, legacy analog radio. <laughs> the Neon Feast update on the Vibe, 99.7 in Vegas, 98.1 all the way to Barstow, and 98.9 down there in the Laughlin Bullhead City Metroplex. And every Thursday morning around 8, 10 a.m. on the club, AM 670. KMZQ. I'm also going to be on um, some in-classroom learning thing with Jonathan Scott this weekend, the day after this drops, Saturday. That's going to be on the CW. Not sure what time it's going to air, but maybe I'll put it in the notes on the episode. Cool. Let's keep a look uh, for if it. If I can yeah. figure it out. So yeah, I recorded that a while back, and it's already run on um, on social media and all that kind of stuff. Great. I had a lot of fun. I was there with John Church and with um, my friend Mark, Johnny Church, of course, from yep. Johnny C's Diner, and my friend Mark Sandoval from UNLV. So we all try to give the little kids some advice if they want to be chefs that i don't remember so i'm sure that they'll survive <laughs> despite my stupid comments um, yeah. because kids are kids are resilient but i hope i can't screw them up that bad <laughs> anyway with samantha gemini stevens and producer rich johnson i am al mancini stay hungry people